Okay, it is wonderful to be back. I uh, hope you guys had a good break. I, I understand there is some kind of like low-level anxiety and guilt over like not getting as much rest as you needed and not getting as much work done as you wanted. And I see you. And God is real. And you're going to be okay. Um, we are continuing our series on the Lord's Prayer. We have been, um, we've been talking about this, this prayer that Jesus gives, his, his own words, his own breath, his own secret with the Father that he lets us in on, that he shares with us so that we might grow in our own love of God and our own intimacy with our Father in heaven. Uh, if you were here two weeks ago, Josh Holton was here and spoke about a give us this day our daily bread. So we're moving on to the next section, which is about forgiveness. Jesus' prayer of forgiveness, which is our theme tonight. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So I'm going to read from Matthew 6, and then we'll jump in. It's uh, printed on the back of your bulletin. Jesus said, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. He gives it to us because he loves us. Will you pray with me? Almost get started. Uh, Father in heaven, I'm grateful to be uh, back together with these friends. I'm, uh, I'm really thankful for the ways that you are with us and provide for us. And I, I pray that you would be with us through your word and by your spirit right now so we might know you and love you more and love one another. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Has uh, anyone in here ever been scuba diving? We got okay. We got we got three. We got three. I'm actually a Patty certified scuba diver. I I, I have not been in about twenty ish years. Uh, scuba diving is uh, actually fairly simple technology, but everything has to work just right, or you die. Okay. So we, you got you got uh, you're underwater, surrounded by water. Humans can't breathe water. Are you tracking with me so far? Okay. You got this. Uh, this tank of compressed air, and you've got a little hose that's attached to something called a regulator. And the regulator is the, is the important part of scuba diving because the regulator regulates, it controls what you breathe in and what you breathe out. It's got a series of valves on it so that whenever you breathe in, you're not getting water, you're only getting air from your compressed air tank. And when you breathe out that CO2, which could kill you, it doesn't go uh, back into the tank, it goes into the water and floats away. Uh, it controls what you breathe in and what you breathe out. So you breathe in good air, and you breathe out in the right direction, and it keeps you alive, keeps you safe, keeps you awake, keeps you conscious, right? This, uh, this part of the Lord's Prayer on forgiveness, this is, uh, this is our spiritual regulator. And by that, I mean that it's actually helping us spiritually control what we breathe in and what we breathe out. And so if you, if you hear anything from this talk tonight, what I want you to hear is that the, the regulation of Jesus, the invitation of him for our breathing, is that we breathe in God's forgiveness for us. And we breathe out forgiveness for others. That's what this prayer teaches us. We breathe into ourselves God's love and forgiveness for us. And we breathe out forgiveness to other people. We breathe in, we breathe out. We stay healthy, and we actually stay awake to the goodness of God in our lives when we do this. And so that's all we're going to do. We're just going to kind of reflect on this breathing in and this breathing out. If you come to RUF a lot, you know that I, I tend to have like three pretty tight points that all start with the same letter. It's kind of my trick, okay? It's not a secret anymore. I understand. It's been a while. Uh, I'm not, I, I just want to instead tonight, I just want to reflect on this breathing. Breathing in, breathing out. Breathing in God's love and mercy, 
breathing out love and mercy for others. Are you with me? Okay, so that's, so that's what we're going to do. So first, I want to talk about breathing in God's forgiveness. And, and the first thing I want to note here is the, is the order of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, this, this is really important because uh, a lot of times when we talk about Christianity, when we talk about faith, when we talk about what it means to follow God, we tend to have a starting point that says something like, okay, well, we're all sinners. And, and I just want to, I want to observe in the Lord's Prayer that that's not the starting point of Jesus when he talks about life with God. His starting point is our Father in heaven. That's the starting point. It's not how wretched you are. It's not how bad you messed up. It's that you are a beloved child of your heavenly Father. That's who you are first. That's the starting point. And that's the context through which we can pray, forgive us our debts. Debts meaning sins or trespasses. Forgive us our sins. We actually start with being a beloved child of, of God uh, that's essential to understand asking God for forgiveness. It means that we're not asking for forgiveness out of fear of punishment. We're not asking uh, for forgiveness out of duty because we are told to, so we'd better do it. We're not asking for forgiveness from, from a stingy God. We're asking for forgiveness from our Father who loves us. So God is not uh, considering forgiving you if you feel bad enough about what you did. That's not how he works. And he's not even willing to forgive you because he promised he would. He actually forgives you because he's your father who loves you. And, and I want you to think, if you can, uh, about the parable of the prodigal son, which maybe you're familiar with from Luke chapter 12. There's a story about a father who has a son, and, and his son, in this uh, kind of wanton act of disrespect and dishonor and rejection, asks his father for his inheritance, the thing he wouldn't even get till his father died. He asks for it now, and his father gives it to him, and he abandons his family, he goes off to a foreign land, and he, he squanders his money on evil living, on like partying, basically, until he has nothing left. And then this son returns to his father, who he has dishonored and rejected and disrespected, and he's got this speech he's prepared, this apology speech, and the father sees him from a long way off. You remember what the father does in the story? He, he stands up and he takes off running. And he arrives there with his arms out and he grabs him in this embrace of love. And, and he starts his, his rehearsed speech, but his father shushes him. He's already forgiven him before he said the words. Uh, this is the God that we follow. That is the kind of forgiveness that we breathe in. The forgiveness of a God whose posture towards you before you say a word to him is one of pursuit and compassion and patience and gentleness and love. That's your father who you're asking for forgiveness from. That's what we breathe in. The, the second thing I want to say about this forgiveness that we breathe in is, is that the assumption in this prayer is that all Christians need to ask for forgiveness. And this may seem like kind of a, uh, kind of a, a given, but I want to ask you a question here. Do some people need forgiveness more than others? It, it feels like it, doesn't it? It can either feel like, man, I am way worse than everybody else. I need forgiveness more than everybody else. Or if you're like me, it can tend to feel like, whew, those people, man, they really need forgiveness. 
Do you know what I'm talking about? The answer, according to Jesus, is no. There is no one who needs forgiveness more than anyone else. And that the starting point for all people is this need of forgiveness. It's a thing that uh, is your baseline and default, and even according to the scriptures that you're born with. The guilt of your sin. It, it, is a, it is a universal thing. And as you read through the Gospels, one of the things that become clear is that Jesus considers the, the guilt of sin to be your main problem. One of, one of my favorite stories from the Gospels is from Luke chapter 5, uh, which, again, you might be familiar with. These, uh, there's this guy who's paralyzed, and he has four friends, and they're bringing him to Jesus because they, they've heard that Jesus is healing people. And Jesus is in a house, and he's teaching, and the crowds have gathered, and it's so packed that they can't get in the door, so they go up on the roof, and they take a section of the roof off, and they lower him in. And they lower this paralyzed man right in front of Jesus in the front of the crowd. And you know what Jesus says to him first? Your sins are forgiven. Isn't that weird? He's saying, your whole body is broken, but do you know what you need? You need forgiveness. And he didn't even say a word before Jesus offered it and extended it. If you're, if you're not a Christian and you have the perception that Christians think they're better than everyone else, either you are misunderstanding us or even more likely we are misrepresenting the Christian faith to you. Christians don't think they're better than everybody else. We actually are, are called to be the most honest of all people at saying, we are not good enough. We have messed up. We are in need of forgiveness because of our sins. That's true for everyone, okay? The, the last thing I want to say here about breathing in this forgiveness of God is how, how assuredly this prayer, forgive us our debts, is answered in the affirmative by God in Jesus. Our, our forgiveness has uh, been completely and entirely secured in the death of Jesus on the cross. And, and we're going to talk about this later, but, but forgiveness is, uh, is actually really, really costly. And what we see in Jesus is that it actually costs death. That's the only thing that can accomplish forgiveness is death. And in Jesus, our guilt and our blame, that debt is swallowed up in his death. So the kind of forgiveness that you breathe in, it's not sort of a pat you on the back, it'll be okay kind of forgiveness. It's not a, you know what, don't worry about it kind of forgiveness. It's, a, it's an it is finished kind of forgiveness. It's a nothing can now separate you from the love of God in Jesus. It's a there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ kind of forgiveness. That's the kind of forgiveness that we breathe in. That's the kind of forgiveness that Jesus extends to us. And so I want to tell you that uh, if you are experiencing tonight some kind, of, uh, some kind of feeling about yourself or what you've done that makes you feel like uh, you're ruined or spoiled or dirty or embarrassed, I want to declare to you what Jesus says to you, that he loves you and he completely forgives you, and you're clean. You're actually white as snow. It's a complete forgiveness. You don't have to feel bad about rejoicing in being free from your sin. That's the free gift that God has for you. Breathe in it. Breathe in the forgiveness of God. Forgive us our debts. We breathe in, but we also breathe out. 
and, and, I, and I think it, the, the reason I'm talking like this is it's the flow of Jesus, but it's only when you breathe in that kind of forgiveness that, that you have any hope of breathing out forgiveness towards other people. If, if your forgiveness towards other people is dependent on uh, your own patience or your own compassion or your own willpower, it, it doesn't stand a chance. But if you are breathing in this kind of all or, all or nothing, it is finished, nothing can separate you from the love of God. If you're breathing in that kind of forgiveness, it actually changes you. It actually empowers you. And, and I want to kind of address the confusing part here uh, because this passage sort of seems conditional. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then later on, I didn't read this part, but starting in verse 14, it says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Okay? So it sounds like we only get forgiven if we forgive others. Uh, When you come to points in the Bible that don't seem to make sense to you or where you don't know what's going on, this is a little tip, you, you have to look elsewhere in the Bible to help you understand. Okay? So one of the reasons I know that that's not what this means is because it's really explicit in other places in the Bible that that's not how God works, okay? Uh, Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you, okay? Our forgiveness is always a breathing out. It's always a response to having already been forgiven, okay? And, and what uh, John Calvin, one of the, one of, uh, one of the, one of, uh, a big figure in church history suggests is that this, this teaching... Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors is actually a, a kindness from God to us as an illustration in our weak imaginations and faith. He, he, he's suggesting that, that what this teaching is, is that Jesus is saying, you know that feeling that you've had where compassion was stirred in your heart for someone who apologized to you? Remember that time when you wanted to stay angry at your roommate or your mom or your sibling, or your teammate, but you just couldn't because you just love them. He's saying, if you can feel like that, imagine how the perfect and loving Father in heaven can feel towards you. That's the kind of response that we get to have. So, so, the, so the, the, the main point I want to say here about breathing out forgiveness is this. Forgiving others is costly, but it's the only way to freedom. Forgiving others is costly, but it's the only way to forgive. I already said that forgiveness takes, takes death, and, and it's the same with us. We actually, in order to forgive, have to take things on ourselves and, and let them die in our own heart. We have to take the pain of that offense, of that debt, of that trespass, and we actually have to put it to death. To death. And, and I don't mean we have to uh, bury it and pretend like it never happened. That's not what I mean. I'm talking about putting that desire for the other person to pay to death, letting that die. Putting that desire to get even, putting it to death. Putting that pain of unfairness to death. Putting that desire for vengeance to death. That's a a death. That's a spiritual death to swallow those things. To treat people not like how they deserve. And again, there's only one way we have power to do this, right? <laughs> is if we've breathed into that kind of forgiveness that can imagine our, our activities, our attitudes, our words towards God and still experience his forgiveness. 
it's super, super costly and it's super difficult. But, but you know, one of I think the best arguments here is sort of like, what's the alternative to forgiving other people who hurt us? What's the alternative? You can sort of like play this game where you keep score of like the little things, like all life. Always trying to make sure it's even, always trying to get back, always trying to make sure they suffer as much as you did. You can do that. You can, uh, you can just sort of not do anything and then harbor bitterness and judgment in your heart, which will lead to either hatred or sort of a numb, cold, hard-heartedness. Uh, you can seek vengeance and try to hurt the other person. Or you can try, you can try to pretend it's not there. You actually try to bury it without putting it to death, which is impossible. And, and some of us actually are trying really, really hard to take the places we've been hurt and sort of just like push them away and not address them. It's not going to work. There's actually nothing like that that will lead to freedom except for forgiveness. So even though it's costly and difficult and painful, it's the only thing that leads to freedom. So it's actually the way that God gives us to have that kind of freedom in our, in our relationships. It's, it's a matter of, of imagination and commitment rooted in an understanding of God's heart towards us. That means that when someone is sinning against you, you have to actually stop and imagine God's heart towards you. You have to stop and remember that you do not deserve to be forgiven, and yet you are. You have to stop and, and imagine that tomorrow you're going to need to ask for forgiveness again from God, and he's going to say yes again. You have to stop and imagine what it costs God. You have to breathe his forgiveness for you in. But when you do, it gives you power and actually changes you. One of the things we have to talk about here is, is sort of the, is the question of like, well, what about the big things? What about the big hurts? What about the big sins? What about the places in our story where we have been sinned against egregiously? Where our dignity our purity, our imaginations, our sense of self, our bodies have been taken advantage of by other people in ways that really, really, really hurt. Are you saying the Bible just says forgive them and move on? Is that what you're saying, right? And, and I want to talk about this for a second. Um, I, I want to make some, some distinguishing, uh, some, I want some distinctions between forgiveness and things like consequences and boundaries. And I want to make some distinctions between forgiveness and hard emotions, like grief or sadness or anger. I want to make some distinctions here, okay? And the reason I want to make these distinctions is because you matter to God because you are his beloved child. That means you are worth standing up for yourself. That means you're worth being protected. That means you're worth being defended. It means you're worth being made safe and whole. You're actually worth those things to God, okay? That, that means that if if you get sinned against, it's supposed to make you angry. It makes God angry. That means when someone else hurts you, it's supposed to make you sad. It makes God sad, okay? And you're not supposed to just not worry about it. You're actually supposed to separate yourself from people who treat you in unhealthy ways. You're actually supposed to, with the help of others, like work for justice in some cases work for repair in some cases, work for reconciliation in some cases, work for uh, exposing what other people are doing in some kind of case. You're actually supposed to do that. And, and I want to tell you that it means that you can be fighting to forgive someone and angry at them at the same time. 
Because think, think about what forgiveness is again. Forgiveness is this posture, this commitment, this imagination for compassion on another person in the midst of their sin. That's what God does for us, right? Forgiveness is not just a thing he does. It is his very heart for you. So while we are hurting, while we are angry, while we are separating, while we are leaving, while we are making boundaries, while we are seeking to make wrongs right, we are actually still called to fight for compassion. And again, the reason why is because it's the only way that you will be led to freedom. This is really complicated in the places of our stores where we've been the most hurt. And so I just want to tell you, if you want to talk about that with me, I would, I would love to talk to you about that. Because I imagine for some of you, this raises some questions. We are called to forgive and you matter. <laughs> you matter to God, okay? I'm reading the, uh, the third Harry Potter book with my daughter Ruthie right now, who's almost nine. Uh, we just read the first chapter on last night, Sunday night. Um, and in the first chapter, Harry is uh, in his room at the Dursleys on Privet Drive. And he's doing his wizarding homework at night. And he's doing it in the middle of the night with his door closed, like underneath his blankets. And he's had to steal down in the middle of the night to like uh, get his books and his wand and stuff. Because if the, if the Dursleys catch him reading these books or waving his wand or even talking about magic, they're going to like lock him up in the cupboard and not feed him for a week, right? And so you've got this, you've got this boy, Harry, and like he really is a wizard. Spoiler alert. He really is a wizard. He really knows how to do magic. He really was accept, accepted into Hogwarts, right? And, and he's being told, but you, but you can't live like that. You have to live like it's not true. So he's having to fight against this. Like when you're reading this, it actually hurts you because it feels, for him to just sit up there and not get to play with Hedwig and wave his wand around, it feels inauthentic, okay? If you are a Christian, if it is true that you've been made new in Jesus, if it's true that you've accepted God's forgiveness for you, it is inauthentic for you not to be a person who lives out forgiveness. Because we've been changed. We have been given a new heart, a new identity. Claiming that the blessing of forgiveness, it only makes sense if we are living forgiveness. That's the only way that it makes sense. So I, so I want to suggest... Um, I want to suggest three applications for you now, okay? Uh, a personal one, a relational one, and a, and a cosmic one, for lack of a better word. Here, here's, here's the personal application. Uh, if you are trying to follow God, you need to breathe in forgiveness daily, like every single day, okay? That means that you need to be setting uh, time apart to reflect on the starting point, which is not that you're a sinner, but that you're a beloved child of God and in confessing your sins to God. God does not ask us to do this in order that we might feel bad about ourselves, but in order that we might experience the freedom of his forgiveness, okay? And what you have to do is you have to tell yourself the story. You have to tell yourself that Jesus came and he lived and he died. He took that death so that you might be totally clean. You have to rehearse that story. You have to breathe it in every day of your life. If you don't, if your regulator's not working on your scuba tank and you start breathing in CO2, you're going to start to asphyxiate, right? You have to breathe it in every single day. The, the second one is, is a relational one. Well, one of the things that we do with our friends is we process our mistakes, right? We talk to our friends about the places where we feel like we've messed up or where we were inadequate or insufficient or we did the wrong thing, we made the wrong choice, right? And, and if you are a friend and someone's coming to you in this, there's, there's a really strong temptation to tell our friends 
hey, it's no big deal. Everything's going to be okay. And in a sense, that's true, but you have to start, you have to remember why that's true. Your friends don't need you to tell them that their sins aren't a big deal. Your friends need you to tell them that their sins are a big deal, but that there's freedom in Jesus because he died on the cross. So be a friend that points people towards forgiveness, not just towards everything is going to be okay, Christianity, okay? Personal, relational, last, last a cosmic. This um, sort of like forgive us is a individual and private prayer. It's also like given here as a corporate prayer, a sort of a way of dealing with the brokenness of the world. That what we have to recognize is that the problems in the world are a consequence of human sin. So that means when you're praying about Ukraine, we pray, Lord, forgive us. When you're praying for racial justice, you're saying, Lord, forgive us. It means when you're praying against abortion, you say, Lord, forgive us. What we need is the forgiveness and grace of Jesus in everything in the world that is broken. That's what we need. So as you're praying about the things that are on your heart, pray for God's mercy because that's what we need. Uh, one of my favorite writers, N.T. Wright, says this about this breathing in and then breathing out of forgiveness. He says, we are now called, we, the church of Jesus, we are now called to be the people through whom Jesus' victory over guilt and sin is implemented in the world. That's what God's people are. They're the people through whom this victory over guilt and sin is implemented. That's, that's our witness. That's the way that we show the world how good God is, that we breathe in this forgiveness and then we stop holding grudges and we stop picking fights and we stop being defensive and we actually move forward with compassion and grace for people around us. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I do pray that you would give us uh, the faith to breathe in the forgiveness that's offered to us in Christ. And Lord, I pray that we would believe how clean we have been made by your blood. And I do pray that we would believe how free we are from guilt and shame. And I pray that it would change us and lead to worship of you. And Lord, I pray that it would empower us, even in the places we are hurting, to fight for compassion and gentleness and love and forgiveness for others so that they might understand what you were really like. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.